Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Who the hell decided I was ready for this? Childish. Welcome to Childish. Is that how we do it? Yeah, you say, I think it's Welcome to Childish. I'm Greg Fitzsimmons, and I'm <laughs> okay, Allison here Rosen. We All right, here we go. You don't want to keep that? I will keep it. Yeah. Welcome to Childish. I'm Greg Fitzsimmons. And I'm Allison Rosen. Listen, listen. If you're listening to the show, we want to thank you because uh, we got off to a running start. We got we charted. We've been on the charts. We got right. We got featured in the new and noteworthy mm-hmm. on, the, um, on the Apple iTunes. Front page. Front page. Thing. Got tons of great feedback from you guys on the uh, on the iTunes message board. We've got a lot of um, tweets from you. You mean iTunes comments? What did I say? iTunes message board. Yeah, I guess there's comments. Yeah, on it. and then uh, lots of voicemails, which we'll get to later. So it's it feels really good. We yes. feel great. Yes, if you would like to reach out to us. We're everywhere. Yeah. We're childishpod at gmail.com. We're childishpod on Twitter. We're childishpod on Instagram. And if you would like to leave us a voicemail, because we answer voicemails near the end of the show, the number is 323-553-233. What? 2331. 2331-323-553-2331. Yeah, thank you. For all the interaction, it has been—it's been very rewarding. We planned the show for what a, at least a year, longer than that, because we were talking about doing it before I even had Elliot, and he's going to be two soon. Yeah, so two years we planned. Yeah, you know, I think because it meant a lot to us. I think we both felt passionate about the idea, and we didn't want to let each other down. So That's I think right. we we're waiting until it was the right time. And baby, now's that time. No pun intended. You are full. You came in I'm here I'm full of baby. That's right. I'm in my third trimester now. I'm uncomfortable, and I'm like a hormone monster. So everything is bothering me. And uh, How are you sleeping? Not well. Mm. I woke up a thousand times last night, and every time I woke up, I was like, I am so irritable. It was weird to ha- for that to be my first thought in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, I don't know what was on my nerves in the middle of the night. Um, and then it's like a choice whether to act out or not. And I was thinking about this in the car on the way over. I was thinking, as an adult, I think you should n- probably never let yourself act out, right? Like if you That's f- a tough question because I'm Irish and I feel like if I don't, I get depressed and the acting out becomes even worse. I, I feel like there's like a certain amount of air you got to let out of the balloon all the time. But does that mean lashing out at people and like being unpleasant or does that mean expressing it in a healthy way? Well, obviously you want the latter. Right. But I don't think you should be so afraid of the former that you... So it sublimate all your feelings. The people around you have to know you're pregnant and you're going to be a little bit of a bitch. Right. Well, like last night, my feelings were hurt over something dumb with Daniel. What? And I, so, <laughs> this, whole, this whole thing is so stupid. Um, do you know the restaurant, the Tam O'Shanter? Yes. It's this, uh, for people who don't know, I've never been there, but it's part of the Lowry's chain. And it's this very, they get very Christmassy around the holidays and they have carolers at night. And I think it's like a Scottish pub. I think it's Irish. Is it Scottish? I think it's I think it's Scottish. Okay. But hey, what's the difference? Really? There's a big difference. I know. I know. Yeah. I said that just to set you yeah. off. <laughs> uh, See me get inappropriate. <laughs> that's right. So um, 
I thought, oh, we should go there for dinner. That'll be a really fun Christmassy thing to do. And I didn't realize that everyone had that thought also. So it's very, very, very hard to get a reservation for Saturday. It's like impossible to get a reservation for Saturday night. So I, um, hearing no is not one of my strong suits anyway. Yeah, you're, but, you're a, you know, a, a, a C to D lister in Hollywood. Right. You'd think I would be used to it. No, but I mean, it means that you expect at least something. You're not nobody. The funny thing is when she said we're all booked for tomorrow, I truly was like, there's got to be a back door. Like I've like the fact that I can't get a reservation is kind of driving me nuts. I'm yeah. like, I've, there's got to be a way. There's got to be someone I can get in touch with. Can my agent get? I mean, not really. I've literally never had my agent get me a reservation or anything. I don't know that they offer that service. Um, but it's weird how much I'm like, there's got to be a guest list. Like there's got to be some way. And really, it's just about the. Pr- it's it's because I'm insane right now. So anyway, I got on open table and like really did a deep dive into which days they have reservations and they have sometimes have lunch reservations on off days but they're not there they don't have the carolers during that time but I feel like it could still be fun so I made two reservations for Sunday one for lunch when they don't have the carolers and then one I got a dinner reservation for Sunday night um, at 8 30 so I felt like okay so one of those should work and then I mentioned it to Daniel and he was just really dismissive of both times. Oh, Daniel. He, <laughs> but he was like one, he's like, because I said there's not carolers at lunch. And he's like, eh, seems like it's probably not the right time to go. And then I said, okay, well, I made a, a reservation for 830. And he's like, that's really late for Elliot, which is true. Um, but I, and so then he left the room, not realizing that anything had happened because really nothing happened. And then I sat there like wanting to climb up my own butthole. I had shut down so much. And I was like, why am I so upset over this? And I, I really well, don't did know. Did you say to him, this means a lot to me? So I sat. In the first place? Well, I pouted for like 45 minutes. Mm. He was completely unaware. Mm-hmm. Because really, he didn't do anything wrong. No. Like if the tables had been turned, I could totally see myself having said the same things. Like the truth is. Lunch won't be as festive, and that time sounds kind of late to take a little kid. So I came out. So I pouted for a while and was like, should I talk about this? Should I not? Went out in the other room, and then he, I don't know, told me about something on Twitter, and I could tell he had no idea that I was upset. Um, And then I said to him that, you know, I think my feelings were kind of hurt over how negative you were about both of those times because – I had put a lot of time into trying to find reservations, and I think it was Yeah, and you know, fun. it's meaningful to go to a restaurant that's, yeah. that's owned by the people that um, committed genocide in the 11th century with Oliver Cromwell, and you know, there's a that's the best part. sweet, sweet Christmas vibe there. Yeah. <laughs> we so. can't get your table at 8.30. So he said that that was just his first reaction to it but if I feel like either of those are you know things I really want to do he can be talked into it like that's fine and he felt really bad and then he was like so he's like I think I'm a little bit confused like what did I do wrong and I I explained like you really didn't do anything wrong I'm just a crazy hormonal overly sensitive person and it hurt my feelings so it was fine but like that's just I think that's his that's the best case scenario for somebody entering the third trimester 
I think you handled that pretty well. Thank you. I mean, don't stew next time for 45 minutes, but that's part of it. You don't <laughs> yeah. know. You're trying to figure out your feelings, if they're valid or if they're hormonal. Oh, but and I, I think know in this case, they're, they're hormonal. Yeah, but it was also, I don't know. I think around the holidays, everyone has to be aware that you're, you're crazy anyway. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of thing around the holidays that drives people crazy. It's supposed to be this time where you feel close to family, and these traditions should be something that you build in so that your kids look back on them. And so they, there's a lot of pressure on them being special. Right. And the, when they're not, it's really, you know, it drives you a little crazy. Yeah, that's what I realized yesterday about the holidays is that there's this feeling of there's just a limited amount of time and we have to s- squeeze in meaningful stuff. Yeah. And if we don't, then we have to wait a whole other year. That being said, when I think about stuff that we did last year at this time, I can't believe it was a year ago. This For me, this year has gone by so fast. Do you guys do it up at the holidays or do we you do don't. the tree and everything? We do the tree. Yeah, Where good. Christmas is... <laughs> we'll explore that later. Uh, Christmas is my favorite time of year. I'm very all about Christmas and uh, someday I will get in touch with my Jewish heritage and figure out what all that means. But for yeah. now, I'm pretty Christmassy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm we're, I'm writing on crashing right now, and the writers' room is very Jewish. So we spend a lot of time talking about Christmas versus Hanukkah and how completely contrived Hanukkah is. Yes, it was a real minor thing, and you guys, you know, you're trying to cockblock Christmas. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Right, we're like. We got in there ahead of you guys. We're like, oh, you do one night, we'll do eight. Yeah, yeah. But yes, that is my, as someone who is Jewish but who knows nothing about Judaism, that is my understanding of Hanukkah was that it was kind of like, oh, we need our own thing. Yeah. But it really wasn't one of the meaningful holidays at all. You know, in Boston, they want to give everybody the day off for the marathon. And so they have a day called Patriot's Day which they found, they did look back in history to find something that happened around the date of, I believe it's in the spring, like it's in May, whenever the uh, marathon is. And Patriot's Day was the day that the British pulled out of Boston after mm. the Revolutionary War. And so they get everybody, nobody works, schools are closed, and everybody goes and gets drunk at the marathon. That sounds great. Yeah. So you guys basically did that to Christmas. <sighs> All right, listen. Is there anyone who thinks that Hanukkah's better, though, in the writer's room? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, their kids are getting eight presents. The kids love it. Yeah, but kids usually get eight presents for Christmas. I mean, I guess it sounds like more. I think it's actually better to step it out because, you know, my kids, by the time they get to their eighth present, they're kind of done. Right. They're overwhelmed. And when you get one a night, it's like that night you're going to play with that toy. You're going to get your PlayStation and you're going to play all night and... Sort of like we, and I don't know if this is a common tradition. I think it might be. We would open one present on Christmas Eve. Yeah, we and that, that was too. always super exciting. Yeah. Right. Because it's one. You're yeah. right. Scarcity. Yeah, scarcity is important. Mm-hmm. The laws of economics. My kids don't want much. They've always been very non-materialistic. They don't ask for shit. And now uh, my son wants to go to Europe with his friends this summer, so he's all about the money. Birthday, Christmas, just give me the cash. Right. He's got this whole this whole side of him came out that I'd never seen before. Which is what? Well, he's always been like a good student. He's a very like, you know, he's a jock. He's he's up the middle and um but then he when he got into planning this this trip, he like color-coded all the train schedules from Germany to Paris and, you know, price, you know, shop for different, uh, 
you know, flights and got, it's amazing how much he did. He's got pages and pa- eight pages of like planning. Look at that. He's an adult. But the problem is it started out with four of them going and now every one of their buddies in school has jumped on board and there's 10 guys. How fun. He, well, or fun or dangerous. Nightmare. Yeah. I just think trying to, trying to wrangle 10 18 year old boys right. from anywhere to, I mean, th- on a Friday night when they're in the west side of LA going from party to party. People get lost. Yeah. Somebody loses their wallet. There's not enough space in the Uber. You know, you don't want to do that from country to country. No, but they do have cell phones. Like back in our day, you would would never see your friend again. Exactly. But now there is a way they can get in touch. No, it's going to be so much easier with Google Maps and, you know, not have, first of all, not having to exchange money. Right. When I traveled around Europe when I was 18, I was having to change, you know, fucking pounds francs yeah to the francs whole thing. every every Lira. few days you're going to another country and you've got money left over from the previous country right and so you're changing that which means you're getting double whacked on commissions mm-hmm. now it's just that beautiful beautiful euro did you now i know that you took a year off yeah what do they call that a gap year? year gap year did you go to europe i did i worked for six months and I had no plans of going to college, so I took off six months uh, to work, and I, I worked as a caddy during the day at a country club, and then at night I was a cook mm-hmm. at TGI Fridays, and then I would drink all night after that, and I did that for six months, and I remember I saved up $3,000, which wow. doesn't sound like a lot, but like back then that was... It sounds fair, like a lot to me. It was enough to go to Europe for six months wow. with a backpack, just by myself. Where did you go? Everywhere. I went to every country, and I I hitchhiked. I bought a URL pass for, I think, two or three of the months I had a URL pass. Did you have a lot of sex? I did. <laughs> I did. I had good sex. Good sex and bad sex. Mm-hmm. Highlight, Denmark, model. Well, they're all models. You right. go to Denmark, and they're all yeah. models. And I had dark hair, and it was a big deal that I had dark mm-hmm. hair because I was in, like, smaller towns. Right. And it was, like, being American and having dark hair— it was unbelievable. I was having sex with women that barely spoke English. Just because you're dark hair. Just because I had dark hair and I was American. <laughs> and so uh, so that was fun. And then I went to um, Barcelona mm-hmm. in Spain. and uh, I think it, Barcelona? Barcelona. Yeah. No, not Barcelona. Mallorca. Oh, I don't have a special way to say that. Mallorca. And so I go there because I was in Denmark and it was so fucking cold. I go, I got to get out of this. And so I bought a one-way ticket to Mallorca and I got there and it was as cold as Denmark, like (laughs) Spain in a weird cold snap. Right. And so I'm stuck in this, I got the cheapest shit hotel and, uh, and I'm staying there and there was a barmaid and she was haggard. (laughs) She was old and she was drunk and she was dirty Mm. and she was the only girl around. Something from Chaucer. Yes. And I had sex with her and it was, not good but it was the highlight of my week there Mm -hmm. and then the next night i went down to the bar to have sex with her again and she wasn't there Mm -hmm. and she had a room in the hotel where she bartended and i went back to the room and before i could knock on the door i could hear her getting wildly fucked by somebody else (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a good story anyway look it's childish let's get into some childish stuff Wait, uh, just one more question yeah. about this barmaid. Did it sound like she was enjoying it more than her night with you? 
if you had no, to go. I th- no, I remember thinking this woman's a sex addict because she'd gone crazy the night before. Right. So I thought I'd really scored. Yeah. I thought it was me. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, no, she's just a really... She's into it. She's into it. Yeah. She's down. All right. Childish. Childish. All right. Let's talk about some news stories. Uh, this week in the news, we've got a couple, couple good stories. Um, one is... But we're doing three. <laughs> We got a couple good ones. We got it. Well, I'm going to read two. You're going to read one. That's right. Headline Married couples are having less sex, and you can blame Netflix. They're saying that back in 1990, people were averaging 73 sexual uh, interactions a mm-hmm. year. In 2014, 55. I got to so do it's the down math. A lot. That's down about twenty four percent. Okay, so if, so it's once a week now. So there's three hundred and sixty five days in a year, divided by what was it seventy three. So that's like once every five nights. That's how it was. Now it's once every seven nights. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do the math on that one, but that, that still sounds like a lot of sex to me. But I hey, I'm pregnant, so I would never know over the course of the year because we go in streaks. Like we'll more get, than when well, when you're at your when you're at the streakiest of your streaks, how much? Oh, every day for you know four or five days, mm. and then it can go a couple weeks, sometimes three weeks, and you look up and you go, "What the fuck just happened?" Mm. Time moves fast when you're old, which we are. Yeah, but it's just scheduling. Yeah, it's just scheduling. You know, scheduling fatigue. All kid of that. in the next room. Mm-hmm. She's more sensitive to that than I am. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But um, so so it's saying now, <laughs> is it because they're blaming people going to bed? Um, what, you, you know, they say cuddle in Netflix or whatever it is, and you think that that's going to lead to sex. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does for teenagers. Netflix and chill. Netflix, Netflix and chill. Yeah. But for us, it's Netflix and sleep. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. May I get the think It's sort of like what back rubs were when I was in college. Like there was this notion that you would be giving each other platonic back rubs, but it was always like a precursor to someone wanting to hook up with you. Um, So maybe Netflix and chill now is like, do you want to come over and watch Netflix with the idea that you're going to hook up? But now it's sorry. I'm all over the place today, but it's funny. I remember how the idea of hooking up with someone that you liked was so exciting when you were a kid. I mean, not a kid, but a young person. Oh, it was the most exciting thing I can imagine in my life. Yes. More so than having a kid, anything else. Right. The titillation and the, the juices it was like a that drug. flowed through you. Yeah. When you thought you were going to have sex with another teenager. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I still feel like that about teenagers, but like <laughs> when you were one, even and, more so. And for me, it wasn't the sex as much as the validation of like, oh my God, this person that I think is so cute might like me back mm. and that was just this like a comp- intoxicating escape from my otherwise like not very exciting life or is it unloved life because i find that sometimes the people that that are so into not just sex but relationships mm-hmm. as teens usually the home life is not that loving and they're looking for it in other ways yeah i'm sure that i was looking for I was looking to fill a hole. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not even gonna touch. I it. know. I know. Now, a lot of a lot of people didn't want to. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, relationships were always. It was a drug. It was an escape. It was a fantasy. 
And then as I got older, I realized it's not supposed to take you out of your life. You're supposed to have a life that you're happy with and comfortable with. And it is supposed to work within a relationship should work within your yes. life. Yeah. You shouldn't give up your friends. Right. Or you your shouldn't work. Give up your clubs at school or your sports. You yeah. know, I've, I remember seeing kids give up everything for the girlfriend. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude. No, don't do it. No. And my son got like that. He had a relationship where he was not seeing his friends. And I go, oh, and this is not you're going to have your those friends. I still have friends from that age for life. Yeah. None of those girls. I mean, I, you know, it was it was exciting at the time, but right. they're, they're temporary. But and it's often, or almost always, not even about them. You know, like right. you don't know them well enough to really have fallen head over heels with for them. It's the idea of romance. You're in love with being in love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but those were heady times. Yeah. So anyway, all of that is to say, I remember when I felt that way. I don't feel that way. Like everything's much more measured now. It's much more sober. Yeah. It's much more adult. Yeah. Um, I wish I, I could use a bit more of that. Yeah. You'll get more of that. Yeah. You're you're not in the place now to get any of that. And we, somebody no. writes us a letter later and we'll we'll talk yeah. about that. All right, what's your news item? Oh, okay. Well, this one is is fairly self-serving. A study published in the European Journal of Developmental Psychology says that older moms have more patience with their kids, and in turn, the children are less likely to have emotional, behavioral, and social issues. So it's a study that says that there's a real benefit to being an older mom. Yeah. Um, And the study author, Dion Summer, said in a press release, We know that people become more mentally flexible with age, are more tolerant of other people, and thrive better emotionally themselves. This style of parenting can thereby contribute to a positive psychosocial environment, which affects the children's upbringing. So researchers looked at 5,000 moms and kids in Denmark, where you had all the hot model sex. I had sex with some of those teachers, (laughs) some of those mothers. Uh, And they assessed the children at the ages of 7, 11, and 15 and found the older moms, the older the moms were, the fewer the behavioral problems their kids exhibited at ages 7 and 11. The same did not hold true for 15-year-olds, though. They're just awful across the board, apparently. Um, My own feeling about this is that I'm glad I waited because I think I'm in a better mental place. Yeah, you sound like it. (laughs) I'm really grounded. I'm really centered. (laughs) But in general, if I had had, my mom had me when she was 24 or 25. If I had had a child then, I was so, so not ready then. I had so much to learn about life and about myself. Um, So I think that I am in a better place to be a parent now. uh, But I think that I have less energy because you just, I can't pull all-nighters like I could when I was 20. That was no big thing. I look at thing. it as like athletes. You look at like Michael Jordan. When he was yeah. young, he would drive to the hoop. He would go end-to-end. He'd hog the ball. And then as he got older, he became this uh, this sublime passer. And he started working three-point shots. And he was just a smarter player. Right. And he was actually, his numbers went up. So I think it's about saving steps. You save yeah. steps. I mean, what I was talking about at the beginning about choosing whether to act out and choosing whether to express things that could be negative when i was young it it was much less you wouldn't modulate any of that i don't don't think i had the ability to yeah i just reacted right um and i know that my parents have mellowed out a ton with age everyone mellows out so hooray for old 
parents. Well, and it, that's mostly what we're surrounded by. I mean, living in, in in Venice, like every, it's all older women pushing strollers around, yeah. and you know, they just you see them, and they just have like a balance to them that you don't see younger mothers Mm-mm. have. Younger mothers are so neurotic and so afraid, and I think that you've dealt with so much more. And uh, and I think for the most part, your marriages are more solid because. Right. You've you've probably been married longer. Yeah, you had other relationships before you got married, mm-hmm. or maybe this is your second marriage. You could have yeah. had like a starter marriage. Yeah, I mean it's not for Daniel and me, but yeah, but for some people it is. Um, that being said, it is rude of nature to favor having kids young. Yes, it is. It's much easier to get pregnant, and I imagine it's much easier easier to be pregnant when you're young. Right, right. So that is real backwards. Well, there's like a real handmaid's tale going on too because I hear it's just getting harder and harder and harder for older women statistically. We got to find, I got to do a, a, a little Google search on that. But I remember reading recently that it, the, the, the amount of, uh, of infertility in older women is getting more and more mm-hmm. pronounced. Interesting. I know that uh, girls are hitting puberty, or actually, girls, I don't know if it's just girls or girls and boys. I think it's girls are hitting puberty younger and they don't quite know why they have some theories well i can tell you as someone who did ivf in order to bring my my kid and the one on the way into the world it's like standing room only at that clinic yeah it is there are so many people who need assisted reproductive technology well maybe the younger women should just uh stop aborting and give those kids give those kids to the older women there you go that would solve all the problems. By the way, I'm pro-choice, listeners. I'm pro-choice. As am I. But at the same time, help out help out a friend. Help your old friend. Yeah, help your old friend out. <laughs> um, another news item that we want to talk about is uh, if your kids are exposed to flame retardants, they may become bullies. They showed a study that um, people who had, uh, they, they studied a bunch of kids aged three to five who were exposed to some level of flame retardant, and they analyzed data collected from parents, teachers, and caregivers and found that the kids who were exposed to higher levels of chemicals displayed aggression, (laughs) hyperactivity, bullying behavior. So, you know, there's ways of dealing with it. Um, it, A lot lot of the stuff you're going to find in couches, carpeting, I think even like clothing. I mm-hmm. think they've probably done away with a lot of the flame retard, the bad chemicals in flame retardant pajamas, right? Right. I mean, I put know. it this way: if the flames have gotten to you, <coughs> you're not wearing flame retardants. The 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 pajamas are not going to stop you from catching That's on true. fire. That's you're true. on fire at that yeah. point. Yeah. Why not enjoy your 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 sleep in a nice pair of pajamas? <laughs> enjoy your final few moments. And then the question is: Do you want a kid that's that much of a pain in the ass? Uh, maybe he should be on fire. That's a good point. No, it's not. Um, I, was, I, was, I was reaching for a joke that wasn't there. This sounds insane to me. Yeah. As I asked you when you mentioned it earlier, is this from Wackadoo Monthly? It's a scientist at Oregon State University. They observed 92 children, so that's not it's a big a small sample yeah. size. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some legitimacy to it that I'm unaware of, but... It sounds like hogwash to me. Well, I think that um, they need to really look into these chemicals, though. They use them on car seats. Uh, 
gym mats. You know, there's stuff that kids are exposed to that have right. these chemicals in them. I know. I mean, you talk about kids are having puberty Well, that's earlier. one of the it's theories. Probably stuff like that. Yeah, that's one of the theories. The, the article I read didn't specifically mention flame retardants, but it has to do... With, but, but they say that there's so much exposure to what are considered endocrine interrupters, yeah. um, which is like a class of chemicals, and it's phthalates, which is P-T-H-A-L-E-T-E-S, I think. Like stuff in plastic and just stuff that we encounter all over the place. Well, and bottles that leak, leach, yes. leach plastic water yeah. bottles. So. That being said, I'm not really afraid of any of that stuff. But maybe I should be. Nah, you can't be. I got what other you, stuff to worry about. I'm, I'm totally consumed with tam o'shanter right now. So, and my husband's dismissiveness. We I can't don't have time give you to a worry table. About. <laughs> You're not good enough. That's all you hear. <laughs> You're not worthy. Yeah. What kind? Like what? So if and first of all, thank you for saying I'm CD list. I feel like that's like pretty. That's might be that might be more than I really am. Is there an E list? You're right. I am at the bottom. I mean, if that's if that's. No, I'm saying you're above the E-listers. Thank you. Yes. Well, no, you're a, you're a, you're a very well-known broadcaster. You know, I mean, there's not that many strong female broadcasters in the country that have a following, and you're one of them. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I'm CD-list, and then it's like you got, in terms of broadcasters, Barbara Walters A-list. I think she's retired, isn't she? <sighs> I just want to know who's my competition. Well, you got uh, <laughs> Oprah's the queen. Debbie Matinopoulos. I'm just kidding. Lisa Ling. Lisa Ling. You got your Joy Behars. Oh, yeah. You got I your like Sharon her. Osbournes. You've mm. got, well, what's her name? Julie Chen stand, uh, stood down. Right. From There's the talk. Yeah. Because of her, her husband. Less She's still supporting him, though. Really? Why not come out on the show and go, ladies, stand by your man? To a fucking point. Mm-hmm. And then you got to wake up and go like, all right, this guy is, he is abusive to women and he is disrespectful to me. And I'm, and I'm encouraging you to not put up with shit to the degree that I've been putting up with it. Yeah. Why stand down now and not make a, she did the like just pure press release. Right. You know, innocuous goodbye and thank you to the viewers. No, yeah. say something about the fact that your husband is molesting women. Yeah, and I has, know. And has a scheduled blowjob every week while he's married to you. You don't have a visceral reaction to that, that American women might benefit from hearing. Mm-hmm. I wonder what is going on privately with her. Like, is she totally pretending that it's not happening? Mm. Anyway. I don't know. Who am I to judge? So what list are you on? Um... I'm the same as you. Okay. Yeah. C, D. I mean, I've had times where I've been C. Mm-hmm. Solid C. Solid C. Should we do highs and lows? Oh, yeah. Let's do highs and lows. Highs and lows. All right. My low this week, I usually I start with the high, but let me start with the low, is um, I've had a show on SiriusXM for 10 years, the Greg Fitzsimmons show. Howard Stern was... Uh, generous enough to offer me a show while on the air. I was on his show one day and I'd been on the show like 50 times and he said, uh, hey, you want to do a show? And I was like, yeah, next week I'm in a studio doing a show and I've been doing it every week ever since. And I've had, you know, guests that were unbelievable over the years. I've had everybody from 
you know, uh, Dave Navarro to Rob Reiner, Carl, I mean, Carl Reiner. Mm-hmm. I can't list all my guests right now, but I've had like amazing guests. Had a lot of them, yeah. Dave Navarro, why did that pop into my head? I know. I don't know. I don't even know if he's A-list. I don't think so, but still. But still, interesting guess. And so uh, they got to the point where they'd had a lot of shows. Howard has two channels on Sirius. Um, 100, which is his channel, and then 101, which is where they rerun his show. Mm -hmm. And they also did uh, other programming. And a lot of people that were on the show, tangential to the show, were given their own shows. Can I say show more? And so uh, eventually they started (laughs) weeding those shows out for some reason. And over the last few years, it came down to just me. Mm -hmm. So like the last year, it's just been me on the channel except for Howard. You were last man standing. I was the last tree in the woods. And it felt good, but at the same time, it always felt like, okay, phone's going to ring. And then it did, and it's gone. And I want to thank those guys publicly for the amazing support over the years, their help booking guests, their lack of ever giving me a fucking note in 10 years. It's Never amazing. once said, don't do this, do that. They're just like, look, it's your hour. Do what you want with That's it. That's so nice. And to the listeners that uh, supported it and called in and um, came out to my shows because of it and were always very uh, vocal in the audience at my shows. I'm sure they still will be. But So how do you feel? Just, I was... At first, I just was expecting it, so I took it in stride. And then I tweeted out a thank you to Sirius, and I got a ton of people on Twitter supporting me, some of them saying negative stuff about Sirius and mm-hmm. Howard. And I, that, that part made me feel bad because that was not my intention of sending the tweet out. Right. But it also made, me, it, it hit, made it hit home more that I was losing these followers mm-hmm. and these listeners. Right. And so that, that bummed me out. And then, like I was talking to you before the show, anytime you get let go from something. It's just, yeah, it you're always going to find some way to internalize it mm-hmm. and beat yourself up. Right. But now I'm over it and I feel like, you know, the energy that I put into that is just going to go into childish. And, you know, I think there's when uh, we'll finally make a good show. I'm just kidding. This show's incredible. I think it's incredible. We think, we think it's, think it's inc- we, we it. are we over the moon. Yeah. I'm the biggest fan. Yeah. I love the personalities on the show. I, I relate, especially to the woman. I relate to her. The woman's great. She's not testing well. Oh, no. no I'm kidding. What, She's do, they, through what the do they need more polar? Do they need me to be more polarizing? They want you to show who you really are towards oh. me on the show. Okay. We, they want the outburst directed at me. All right. You know, I think that wi- women would actually really relate to that. You think if you so? just threw a coffee cup at your head? Ju- yeah, <laughs> just lost it and walked out in the middle of the interview. Okay. And, yeah. I'll try so to do let's that. Let's do some of that. All right. So that was my low. And uh, my high was a game night that me and my family had. Look at that. I mean, what's better than a game night? We've always had great game nights because mm-hmm. especially now with kids, like they go off to their own room and they watch Netflix right. or, or they're not home because they have a sports game or practice. And, and so on the rare nights where we're home, we, we play games a lot. And we got this new game called Settlers of Catan. Which is uh, which is a fun. It's a game where you all build on stuff together, and um, it lasts like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. But we just connect when we're together playing a game. We just always have fun, and we have running jokes. Is it a board game? It's a board game. I've heard of this game. Yeah, you you have like supplies and that that you use to build, you know, 
whatever. You're building like a civilization. Mm-hmm. Ooh, fun. Yeah, it's fun. So, and I would actually, you know, we're going to do our product. Uh, our shout out. Our shout outs later. This, uh, I'm going to throw this in as a shout out also is pick up Settlers of Catan and, uh, you know, give that to somebody during the holidays. But, um, yeah, it's nice when you're with your family and you realize they're your friends too. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't get that. We played. We had fun with my family, and I think that we had a blast as much as I did with my friends. I laughed with my family, but there wasn't like a friendship with my dad mm-hmm. that I think that I have with my kids that goes beyond just playing the game. And so when we do play a game, it's just like it's just the best bonding. Right. Yeah. Was it like a lack of warmth or a lack of connection I think with it your was dad? his depression mm-hmm. he was an alcoholic and he had a lot of depression I think he had to pull back a lot yeah I think he gave us the best he could but and I can relate to this because I have the same depression mm-hmm. I've just got better tools to deal with it than he did he came right. from a generation that you just toughed it out and you drank your way through it and and for me it's been a lot of therapy and uh everything whatever mm-hmm. I could do and so um I feel bad for him that he didn't uh, connect as much as I know he wanted to, mm-hmm. but he needed to go off into his office alone and chain smoke and read and drink. And yeah. yeah, so it was. But then we played board games. We had a blast with my dad. It's like yeah. I think it brings back those memories. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that's a fun high. What's your family <laughs> game? Well, we don't have one yet with Elliot. Uh, He's too young to play a game, right? right. With my... What about that little thing where you put the the chips in the top of the thing and it slides down and bangs around? Connect Four? Yeah. He's too he's young for that. he's a little too young for yeah. that. He has invented a game. Uh, he, on his own, started saying, oh, no, beep, beep. Which is <laughs> like the funniest <laughs> thing. Like to him, that's how you say, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, beep, beep. That's great. Uh, so he'll just be playing with things and like he'll be setting his little animals he has these little animal figurines that he plays with and he like sets them all out. Oh no, beep, beep. Oh no, beep, beep. But then somehow it morphed into, he says, Oh no, beep, beep. And then he walks through your legs. Um, so that was like a little in game. He, a little game he had invented for a little while. He hasn't done it lately, but for a little while when he would say, Oh no, beep, beep. Then he would walk through your legs. So, um, that's not really a family fun game though. I'm trying to think. Well, it's your, it's the first, it's the first game. Yeah, I'm trying to think with my family of origin what we would, what we would play. Um, we should just have cards. Yeah, we played Crazy Eights and Go Fish and War. We played Gin Rummy Gin for Rummy. a little while. Yeah. I remember playing War, going through a phase of that. We played Ghost, which is a word game mm. uh, uh, where you like someone says a letter, and then you, uh, the next person says a letter. And the next person says a letter, and each person has to be spelling a specific word. And if someone says a letter where you're like, that's not a word, then you can call their bluff, and they have to say what the word is. Yeah. And if you, the thing is you don't want the, a word to end on you. You want to keep it going. And so if a word ends on you or if you are bluffing, then you get a G, and then you get an H. And it okay. can be a long It can be a, it's long a car game. ride game. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I like it. So my mm. high... Um, our, our friend, your friend and mine, Doug Benson, whom I love, who hosts Doug Loves Movies, does these special shows around the holidays called Doug Loves Movies, 12 Guests of Christmas. 
and it's where he has 12 guests on and it's a live all of his Doug Loves Movie shows are live but it's a live podcast with 12 guests and he invited me to be on it and I said yes and it was at Largo and it was so much fun just the introductions alone took up like an hour and a half yeah. <laughs> and then you're left playing the movie game but it was let's see if I can name everyone it, as a CD lister, I was really out of my depth yeah. because it was John Hamm, Sarah Silverman, Zach Galifianakis, Sam Levine, Damn. Jeff Tate, Clark Wolf, Emma Arnold, Amy Miller. Um, who am I leaving out? Sean Jordan. Some. Uh, oh shoot. I think you might have been out of your league on the first four, but after that, I think... Uh, then I was I among my peers. Among your peers. <laughs> I'm leaving out... Uh, that was nine, so I'm leaving out three wonderful and hilarious people. How did you people. feel around John Hamm? How did, you, how did your body react viscerally? I mean, wet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was legitimately starstruck and like trying to be cool and trying to be normal, but... Um, we were both backstage, like ready to go on, getting ready to go on. And I said, hi, I'm Allison. Like at the same time, he said something. And then he's like, oh, hi, I'm John. And then put his hand out. And then I said, I'm a big fan. Like at the same, again, at the same, like I couldn't get the timing of a conversation right. Yeah. Like at the same time, he was saying something. And so each time it like took him a second to, and he's like, oh, aren't you sweet? And then Sarah Silverman came over and she was like, you look so familiar. Um, and I said, yeah, I used to work with Adam Kroll. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And she, I had met her before. Um, but she's so nice. You're she's friends with her, right? Yeah, she's great. She's so nice. And then I wished her happy birthday because I knew that the day before had been her birthday. Um, and, yeah, and then I sat next to her on stage. And there's 12 people on stage, but there's only, like, four microphones. So you pass microphones around. Um, it was really fun. I was... Well, I was eliminated fairly early. Uh, I never, I th did I ever, I think I won the, I've won the game once. And that was probably a fluke because I do not have a deep knowledge of movies the way some of those people do. Oh, I come in last. Every time I'm yeah. on the podcast, I come in last. It's always really, really fun though. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Doug really has figured out the format for a live podcast. Yeah, he's very good at it. Yeah. Well, he's he has also... A He's so cool and quick. Right. I mean, he's as good as anybody at, at, at you know, being on stage and being able to riff yeah. with his guests. But he really, you know, he has a few different formats he's he does. Because he does Doug Love Mo Loves Movies where you play the games. And then he has the Doug Benson movie interruption where everyone watches a movie together and you sort of interrupt it. And I had done that with Zach Galifianakis and... Rory Scovel a few years ago we did love actually um but yeah he just because whenever I do a live podcast I'm always sort of which format of my show should I do and how much mm -hmm. should I be performing versus like are they just coming to watch recording whereas Doug it's just like it's like it's like he puts on a Broadway show each time yeah um it's, he's got guests on the speed dial too he always yeah, has great guests I know so when is that up now Can I think it's already aired it? yeah okay but so anyway 
um, afterwards we were all hanging out and, oh, and I, I plugged Childish. Nice. And Zach came up to me and he's like, what's your podcast that you're doing? And I mentioned you. Yes. Um, and Zach was like, what's your podcast that you're doing? And I'm like, oh, well, I have my regular one, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. And then I also have Childish. And he's like, yeah, what's that one? So he was asking about that. Yeah. So Zach, if you're listening, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, and then I was talking to Zach, Sarah, and John, which was very exciting uh, and they were trying to name my baby because they love Sarah in particular loves trying to name a baby. And I went to the bathroom and I came back out and John Hamm was like Quinn Quants. And I was like, oh, that's the name that I wanted. Yeah. Do you remember? I mentioned it to you with when I was pregnant with Elliot. Quinn Quants. I like the name Quinn. The baby's last name is, my husband's last name is Quant. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. baby's last oh, name. That's right, you did say Yeah, that. I really like it because I like alliteration. We know that's Zach's wife's name. Yes, that's what Zach was saying. He's like, that's my wife's name. Not the Quants, but the Quinn part. Um, and anyway, I had to abandon it because Daniel's like, that's child abuse. You cannot do a, you can't, he's like, the, the QU has been such an albatross my whole life. I really don't want to yeah. double down on the QU. Yeah. He feels like, you can't do Quinn Quants. And Greg, you agreed. You agreed yeah, that agree. you can't do quinquants. Yeah. Well, John Hamm likes quinquants. Sarah Silverman likes quinquants. And Zach does too. And I was like, you guys, this is the name that I've been wanting, but my husband doesn't want it because kids, he's afraid kids will make fun of it. And then yeah. John Hamm's like, like Psh, my last name's Ham. Yeah. I had to live through that. And it's like, yeah, but you're ridiculously good looking. Yeah. And well, so will Quinn Quants. That's right. Um, yeah. So then I took a little, I, I asked if I could take a little video of them saying how much they like the name to show my husband. He still hasn't watched it. He will one day. Um, Did you post it? No, I felt like it was. Ju- no, I, I didn't post it because I said to them, can I take a video for my husband? Right. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I went home and. Had a lot of dreams about John Hamm that night. Did you have a pregnancy orgasm? No. No, I haven't had one of those in a while. Okay. I think those are those were early pregnancy things. Now yeah. I just now I'm just uncomfortable and right. having a lot of dreams. All right, what was the low? My low I, I had a lot of little lows. Um but two uh, two small lows. Yesterday, uh Elliot and I were in the kitchen and he was crouching down on the floor. I don't know what he was playing, like playing with something. And I needed to get a utensil out of the utensil drawer. And I knew that if I pulled it open and he stood up, he would hit his head on the side, the corner of the drawer. Um, but I, but I was like, I can do it real fast. So I opened it. He stood up, <laughs> hit his head, began crying. And I felt so guilty because I was like, why I, I saw it happen before it happened. Like, why did I do that? Why was I so impatient? Because I really thought, like, I can pull this off. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it through enough to think, like, is is the risk worth the getting the utensil that fast? And it was just because I was impatient. Mm-hmm. And I hurt my kid. He was, you know, he was fine. But he cried. And mm-hmm. I felt like a real asshole. And I guess it was a learning experience of, like, don't don't do that again. You yeah. know, like I should have moved him or just waited. But that is, you know, it's a constant negotiation when you have a kid between getting things done and doing what's best for yes. your child. In any yes. Given yes. And then my other low in the car on the way here, I just started 
I've, I've expressed that my hormones are out of control right now. So I'm like overly sensitive, but I started feeling really guilty about maybe I'm not being as good a mom as I could be because, you know, he had, we have a, a nanny babysitter and I feel like she spent is spent, you know, he's spending more time with her than he is with me right now. And that like, what kind of impact is that going to have on him? And, you know, I could, yes, I do need her. I, I legitimately need her when I'm working. Um, but there, I could reduce her hours and I could do a lot of the stuff that she's doing. Um, and I just like, but it's, it's easier this way. And I am super pregnant and tired and all that, you know, but it's, so it's definitely easier, but it's like, I just started thinking, I just started feeling really guilty about maybe I'm not seeing him enough. Maybe I mean, he, but he's totally happy and fine. And I, you know, I do spend time with him and take care of him every day, but I just like this morning, um, you know, she, she has a key. So she came in and I haven't even, and, and took him to the park and I didn't even see him this morning and I'll see him as soon as I go home. But I just feel like, I don't know. It just, well, how do you, how do you like her? I mean, are they bonding? Oh yeah. He loves her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and think. And you feel like she's treating him the way you would. In yes. In terms of values and yeah. discipline and. Yes. Well, Although. I, I think, look, it takes a village. In, in, in an earlier generation, you lived in a community where other people right. took care of your kid while you hunted and gathered. I mean, not a generation ago, but like there was always more of a sense where you had family around and friends around that pitched in. Right. And I mean, the fact that she's on the payroll, your kid doesn't know that. Right. He's, it's somebody he's consistently yeah. being exposed to that you feel good around. And that's, uh, I think that's actually healthy for him. Yeah. I don't think it's hurting him at all. Like he doesn't seem to be, it's not like he's being neglected. I mean, on the contrary, he's got like a ton of attention from people who take care of him. As opposed to bad, grumpy attention from you because you've got him all the time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was just like a low. Um, that being said, yesterday, my friend and her son uh, came over and our sons are the same age. And um, Elliot kept saying to her son, no, no, baby, no, no. <laughs> No, no, baby. No, no. And I was like, who's saying no to him all the time? Because yeah, yeah. he's clearly And the funniest thing is they went into our bathroom and then um, Elliot's friend went was like shower, which Elliot does not know the word shower, went into the shower and was like very excited about being in the shower. And Elliot kept going, no, no, baby, no, no. And then he'd walk up to him and just touch his index finger on his shoulder. <laughs> it was like, no, no, baby, no, no. Tap. Um so the reason I bring that up is because you said, does she discipline him the same yeah. way you would, which is like uh, not uh, not a lot of discipline Yeah, because um, he's a good kid. But it did make me think like he's hearing no a lot somewhere. Yeah. But he could also be hearing someone say it to their baby at the park. Are or you something. comfortable saying to the nanny, let's let's talk about the use of the word no. Maybe you're not comfortable with it being used as much. <sighs> the thing is, I haven't heard her saying it to him. Um. I guess I could at uh, the truth is no, I'm probably not. Yeah. But I, maybe I should be. If, no, no, if Allison, it, no. <laughs> no, no, Allison, no, no. Um, yeah. So that's my high and low. All right, good.
All right, let's do it. It's time to get into, uh, what are we getting into now? I think we, so I was having crazy pregnancy oh, dreams. Oh, right. And some people wrote in with their own pregnancy On dreams. On Twitter, you guys responded to at Childish Pod, and uh, this one came from um, Dudley Do-Rags. I feel oh, like no, that might not be a real one. name. That's a different one. Oh, okay. This one came in from Caroline. I'm not going to read the last name because, well, it's at. So can I say the whole name? Sure. Caroline Farina wrote in. When I was pregnant, I had so many dreams that I was growing something awful. I gave birth to a demon baby with sharp teeth and thought, well, I guess I love him, but how am I going to breastfeed? <laughs> that is hilarious. And then we got one also from uh, Just Becky Lee, who said, dreamt I had penises growing out of my armpits, little tiny ones. Wow. With That's my weird. With my... <laughs> You have the weirdest dreams when you're pregnant. With my first pregnancy, one of the first signs that I was pregnant, um, I had a dream that I, <laughs> this is so weird. I was talking to my friend, but she wasn't her. She was like a package of ground beef in the grocery store, but she was talking to me. Uh-huh. That was weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have I have weird dreams like every night. All right. Well, let's get into some calls. Okay. Do we have like a sting for call? We do. You oh, yeah. rang. Yeah. You ra- and now it's time for you, you rang. rang. You rang. Okay. Our first call comes from, uh, you know, it's with these for some reason we don't get people's names. So no, we don't. There it is. This is from a concerned parent. Hey guys. Uh, I just had a question about, uh, I guess racism in schools. Uh, my son is in elementary school and he showed me a paper the other day that, one of his classmates had drawn a swastika on. And my son had no idea what it stood for, so I gave him a, a brief history lesson, made him cross it out, and then I emailed his teacher about it. And the only response I got back was just a simple thank you. And it really made me wonder how these issues are being treated in schools nowadays. Like, if grown-ups are allowed to openly do this kind of stuff because of the First Amendment, uh, can the kids still be punished for it in public schools? And just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you. Well, I can remember, full disclosure, I can remember being a kid and making swastikas, and it had nothing to do with my hatred for any race of people. Mm -hmm. It was just, partly was, it's a design that's just, you draw everything as a kid, and I had seen it, and, uh, and and then as I got older, I knew it was taboo, and you weren't allowed to do it, so I would make one, and then I would make a square out of it. But it was like, yeah, I mean, it was like big in the punk movement, too, that not always connected to hatred just because it was kind of like a badass. Right. So I think in this case, I doubt very much that this kid was doing it out of a. And again, I don't know if this guy's kid is Jewish, but um, I think it's a really important thing for the teacher to bring up. Yeah, because that's becoming more and more prevalent in our society. There's a rise of the far right and uh, what do you call the alt right movement? Both. The now na- you know nationalists, yeah, and um, all over the world there's a rise. All of over that. the world, and I think uh, any type of racism needs to be discussed in school early. And go, by the way, everybody, let's t- put, just go up and make it on the board, and go. This is something that is uh, offensive to people, mm-hmm. and it hurts people, and here's why. Right. And let's all talk about it. Right. Not, not a lecture, but let's talk about what it means, what it means. and why it hurts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of the same as like kids might use words that 
we're not okay with anymore and they don't know why. Right. And you have to explain the context and explain it to them. So when I hear this story, um, I wish the teacher had had a different, a different reaction than just thank you. Yes. You know, um, that like, yes, this is something we are talking about in school. I don't know. Do you think he should call the principal if it continues? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Because you don't want to find out that there's a lot of kids doing this and that eventually they start doing it to Jewish kids. And then also I think you should have some awareness that maybe this kid has a home where these ideas are are cropping up. It didn't come out of nowhere. May as well get to the bottom of what's going on. I think there should be awareness, but I think it has to be a discussion, not a Mm -hmm. lecture. Yes, agreed. Let the kids wrap their minds around what this kind of stuff means. Um, All right, this one is from Lori. Hi, Allison. Hi, Greg. My name is Lori, and I'm calling um, about a question about the holidays. I have a seven-month-old baby boy, and everyone is asking what to get him for Christmas. And we have so much stuff already. He doesn't really need anything. We live in a condo, so we're limited on space. Um, but, yeah, if you have any suggestions about what to get a baby for Christmas or what to ask for family, I feel kind of rude just saying money. But, you know, someone did suggest maybe opening up um, an account for him so we can start his college fund early. And also, if you have any recommendations about what kind of account to do for him, um, I know some of the accounts, they can't access their money unless they go to college. So, anywho, just questions about that. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan of both of you. I don't know. What do you think? You lived in a condo. I lived in an apartment. Yeah, even smaller than a condo. Yeah, it was a big apartment. But, it was. Um. Uh, I understand that feeling of like, we don't need more stuff. Now, I feel like it should be okay to say to people, if they're not offering, then I wouldn't say to them, hey, I would prefer money for a college fund, because then I feel like that's presumptuous. But if someone is asking you, what should we get him? I think it is okay to say we have so much stuff, but, you know, we really value education and we're putting some money aside. So, like, you know, a, a contribution to this would be an amazing gift if you if that's what you want to do. Otherwise, blah, blah, blah. Now, I know that you have strong feelings. Well, and I'm I wondering think if I think, agree. I agree okay. with that 100 percent, because, I mean, especially now, I really I think that kids growing up today are going to have a they have a very hard road ahead of them financially. Yeah. I don't think the economy is going to necessarily be what it's been for our lives. Mm. And um, college is only going to keep going up. But I will say this. I have strong feelings about college savings accounts. You do. I don't think they're the only answer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the traditional route is a 529 account, which is a state-mandated investment, which means— See, I don't know any of You have to choose a state to put your money in, Mm -hmm. and they're managed by the state. Okay. And they do that because it's extremely conservative. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've found that the res- my, the returns have been abysmal in in the fifteen years we've had college savings accounts. The returns have been so far behind the market. Is it just a savings account, or is it no? It's invested? an investment account. It is, okay. but it's a fund. The gotcha. state assembles a fund, mm-hmm. and everybody's in the same. So fund, you can't lose the same your money. collection of. Well, I guess if the market went down right. enough, you could lose it. Yeah, um, but the other downside of the bad investing is that. When you're when it's time like right now, our kid's ready for college, and you do a thing called a FIFSA, uh, and then and there's another one called a uh, something C, where they 
go deep into your finances mm-hmm. to see whether or not you can get financial aid. Right. And the first thing they look at is how much money you have in your college savings account. And if you've got, you know, $200,000 in there, they're not going to give you any money. Right. And so the tax savings you get, basically they you you don't pay taxes on the interest that the money makes while it's in the fund. Mm-hmm. So you lose out on that tax savings. But there's other, talk to your financial advisor, but there's other ways of putting money into funds. The other downside, like she said, is if your kid doesn't go to college, right. you don't get that money back, or you do, but you have to pay like a 30% uh, f- penalty fee for taking it out. So look around. Don't, don't, right. like, don't what reflexively about, go into a, a 529 account. I mean, what about just a savings account? I guess the you don't get a great return on that either. No, but you can put it into bonds right. that are very safe and long term. Or you know, or you have your you, you, there's a lot of you put in an index fund, put right. in a Vanguard index fund. But I think there may be ways also of sheltering the money. I don't know what they are, but mm-hmm. um, we put some money in the five twenty nine, but a lot of it we kept out. We are so bad with all this stuff. Like I have, hi, I'm going to disclose financial information there on this podcast. Go. I have a 401k from when I worked at a magazine a bazillion years ago, and it's got not a ton in it, but it has some. And I have been intending to roll it over into, I guess, an IRA yeah. um, that I could could be contributing to each month. I've been intending to do this for like seven years. Every year when I meet with my accountant to do my taxes, he rec well he doesn't he stopped recommending it but i mean it like it used to come up every year because i would ask like what should i do it's like oh roll it over into it you know yeah and i just i just need to do it and the only thing that's stopping me is that i have to write a letter to the company that has the money saying that you can give it to the who like i guess vanguard is probably who i'd set it up with yeah i just need to do it it's ridiculous just do it let's make that a goal for this spring okay i'm gonna i'm gonna oh, stay like, on top of you because <laughs> I like i'm a big believer in the in the retirement account yeah. you it's it's a tax savings right out of the gate to put it in there it grows over time it's just i mean who knows see what's gonna that's be there when the thing is like daniel and i shouldn't we have decent retirement accounts by the age we are and we do not yeah did you at our age we're, um, we're early 40s. I got lucky early on, and I got a couple of big TV deals. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to put a bunch away then. And also, I think my parents gave me like, they gave me like $20,000 for the kids. Wow. College savings account early on. But again, that 20000 in a regular market account mm-hmm. would be enough to pay for fucking college now. Yeah. Instead of being like, you know, doubled or right. something over 15 years. It was, it was not, it was not a good growth right. at all. Still though, at least yeah. you have something. All right. So, uh, this one is, let's take one more call. And by the way, thank you for the calls. Keep them coming. Yes. We're going to try to get some more. Keep them more coming. 323-553-2331. All right. This one is funny. Hey guys. Uh, my name is Eddie. I live in Oregon. Um, love both of your podcasts and the new podcast. Um, I just have a really kind of a random question, what I'm in the thick of right now. We're about to pull all three of our kids from public school and put them into homeschool. Uh, kind of a hybrid public homeschool situation, but I kind of want to get your take on it. Anyway, have a great day. Happy potting. Well, sounds scary. You live in Oregon, and you're, mm-hmm. uh, and you're, you're starting a homeschool. It's real close to a documentary I just saw on Netflix about uh, cults. Is that what you did instead of having sex with your wife? Yes. 
<clears throat> and then we put on orange jumpsuits and ravaged <laughs> each other. Um, now, look, homeschooling is a that's a big question. That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would want to know what the reasons are to do that. And he said it's kind of a hybrid public school homeschool. So. I imagine there's some other element to it than just what I imagine homeschool, which is like your kids are just home with you all day and you are, you are teaching them at home. So maybe there are going in my concern with this and I do not have experience with homeschool, but uh, still I have a podcast and you don't, and maybe you do. My concern is socializing your kids is such a big part of what school is in addition to just the education. So I would just say make sure they're still seeing other kids and doing group activities and all the all the social stuff that they would get from school. Don't let that go to the wayside. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? There's one more call I really want to get to. Okay. All right. Hi, Allison and Greg. This is Jessica. <clears throat> I love both of you, and I'm so thankful for this podcast. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son, my question is because um, I breastfed, and we're pretty open in our house, um, but my son is getting to be at the age where he recognizes uh, nudity, and when he sees me topless, he yells, boobies, and he likes to put his hand on them when we lay in bed together. He also likes to grab and face plant into my butt, so I'm starting to wonder if it's time to cover up a little more, but I also kind of find that it brings him comfort and I also don't want to be like shameful about nudity or sex in any way so my question is Allison how are you handling nudity with Elliot and um, Greg how did you guys handle nudity and when did you start covering up keeping things to yourself um, and not allowing the baby into the bathtub or the shower or changing in front of him. Cause he, I mean, if he wasn't so vocally thrilled to see me naked, it wouldn't even be an issue, but he's definitely loves tits and ass like his dad. Okay. Thanks. Bye. That's hilarious. This is hilarious. Yeah. I love this. I love this call. You know, I mean, look, it's, uh, let him let him go nude. You nude them nude. Everybody should be naked as long as possible. Yeah, he's two and a half. She said. Yeah. I feel like it's six. not. Maybe no. wrap it up at six. He yeah. There's nothing sexual about it yet. So I think it's. I think I think you're okay for now. But at the same time, if she's feeling uncomfortable with him like face planting into her butt and stuff, I will say. So Elliot's not yet two. I'm still naked in front of him all the time, and there are times where I feel like oh he's more aware of this than he was before like um you know he's not potty trained yet but I think he's sort of showing interest in it and so sometimes he'll be in the bathroom with me when I'm um going to the bathroom and he'll take toilet paper and sort of like try to like he knows where to put it really but, yeah um that could be handy <laughs> You know, you're, like, you're returning I can be hands-free, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is super cute, and I think Daniel's not cool with me telling that story because I think he thinks that it's like, what if it could, is embarrassing to Elliot someday? <laughs> he doesn't fully wipe me. I'm just saying he kind yeah. of, like, takes the toilet paper and, like, tries to, to put it between my legs. Like, yeah, he right. knows where it goes. And he um, knows to get a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's ready with, like, another roll and uh -huh. a wet wipe and... Um, of course I'm like, what a genius he is. I'm trying to think if there's other, yeah, I feel like, well, my kid, we, my wife took baths with my son mm -hmm. until he was like old. How old? Two. 
That's not that old. Two and a half. And I just remember at one point, he was in the bathtub with her, and they're both naked, and he's touching her tit, and he points to the nipple, and he used to call breasts teetleetleys. <laughs> That's so cute. And he 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 touched oh the God. nipple, and he goes, "Mommy, is this where you blow up the teetleetle?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so and, cute. And, you know, I mean, you don't want to miss out on that conversation. No. Yeah. And I think my kids are very comfortable today about nudity. Like, my son walks through the house naked sometimes. He's 18 years mm-hmm. old. You know, he covers up his crotch. Right. But he'll walk around butt naked. He's like, loves his body because he's a jock. So he's got <laughs> a great body and he's kind of proud of it. Right. My daughter dresses. We never tell her how to dress. And she wears mm-hmm. like short shorts sometimes and midriff shirts sometimes. And she's very comfortable with her body. And yeah. I think that came from not trying to put shame on them at mm-hmm. a young age about being clothed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elliot does seem, he likes to pat me on the butt when I'm wearing clothes. Yeah. But there's an awareness of my butt. But I mean, my butt's bigger now because I'm pregnant. Everything's yeah. bigger. So. I I don't know. I think that if you're uncomfortable with it, then probably just be naked in front of him less. Mm. Um, but I also don't think you need to really deal with it this young. Okay. Well, again, thanks for the calls. And finally, wrapping out the show, let's do a little thing we like to call. Shout out! That is one of... I told you I'm a huge fan of this show. Good. Relate a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, I love the shout out. I love yeah. the shout out, shout out. What's yours? The, the shout out. Well, first of all, I want to start with the shout out to if you're in the mood to give this holiday season, you're thinking about what charities are out there. The one that, that's very close to my heart is called the People Concern. It's a Los Angeles social services nonprofit, and they're, look, they're looking to end homelessness, empowering our neighbors most in need to rebuild their lives. Find out how you can get involved at uh, thepeopleconcern.com. Dot org. I don't like the name of the of the group. It used to be called the OPCC, and I've worked with them for years. But great, your money will be well spent. Uh, but my other shout out, product wise, I would like to give a shout out to, and uh, this nothing makes my daughter happier when I'm on the road. I want to bring home a little gift. Bath bombs. There's one from a company called Art Naturals that I just got her recently, and you get a little uh, box with uh, 10 or so bath bombs in it, and they get in there, a hot bath, they toss it in. It's cheap. It's like 10 bucks, and uh, and it will give her uh, joy, 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 and she gets to bathe naked, which my kids love. That is typically how bathing is done. Yeah. My sister loves bath bombs, yeah. too. Yeah, Um, And some of them, like have little bits of herbs and flowers inside mm-hmm. them and there's all yeah. sorts of the whole bath bomb industry is booming it's booming that's right yeah. my shout out is a book that uh daniel's not daniel's daniel's mom gave elliot elliot's grandma gave him which he is in love with and it's called p is for potty and it's a sesame street lift the flap book so uh on each page there you there's like a bazillion little flaps you can lift um and it's I I am like excited by this book. There's so much stuff to play with on each page. It's a board book, and it's about uh, Elmo's mom babysitting Elmo's cousins Jojo and little Albie. Jojo, you know, yeah. There, there you go. go. Jojo's the baby. Good. I love uh, it. And so it t- it sort of takes them through her. She changes Jojo's diaper, and then Albie needs to use the toilet. 
Um, and then I think one of them has an accident at a certain point. But on each page, you can like... Don't blow the ending. Jesus. Spoiler. Yeah. Sorry. It's a very heartwarming story. Yeah. But you can lift a flap. So like you can lift the diaper pail flap. You can open the window. You can lift a flap on the sink. And then you see the water running. It's just... It's super fun. And uh, it's Elliot's favorite book right now, and it's cheap, and it's a really good toilet training book, and it also will hold their attention. P is for potty. And this Sesame is all, Street. We, these are all available on our website, right? Are they listed? Are we link. Listed? Yes, we link to them. We link to these products on, so in to, our episode summary. So if you go to childishpod.com, you can check these out. That's also, right. Also, I'm going to make sure we put a link up to the people concerned if you want to hit that. Also, I don't know. I, I, I don't think my tour dates are on the site, but I'll read them. I got some tour dates coming up December 28th through the 30th in West Nyack, New York at Levity Live. Then New Year's Eve, I'll be in Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. Hilarities in Cleveland, January 17th through the 19th. And then I'm throwing a big benefit for the best buddies at the Comedy Store on January 27th. So you can come check that out. Guests will be announced. Last year we had Norm MacDonald and Joe Rogan and Bert Kreischer. So it'll be a big show. Those are good guests. Good guests. Uh, should we read some iTunes comments? Because we're getting tons oh, yeah. of nice okay. iTunes comments. Let's do that. Okay. Jay Inslee says, chocolate and peanut butter. Allison and Greg play off each other perfectly. Fall in love with classy Allison. <laughs> I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> and raw Greg, as they are a perfect yang-yang of parenting advice. I don't know if that's an intentional joke or... No. I don't yeah, know. You try to be funny on these comments. Yeah. You be. I like it. Uh Great reviewer 13 says, gold, all that fits Doug. <laughs> Sorry. All that. F- oh, my God. All that fits dog touches turns to gold. Wow. Great like fun. This, this podcast. All right. Good. Got one from Nicole Woods. No kids here. And I love this podcast. I have been waiting patiently for this podcast combo. I could listen every day. Great pod. Love you both. Um, there's a bazillion more. Right, we're going to read three every week. That's just right. To, uh, just to make ourselves feel really good at the end of the podcast. All right, Allison, thank you so much. Anything to promote besides... Uh, just Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Um, get my book. It's great for the holidays. Yeah. Tropical attire and courage and other phrases that scare me. If you go to my website, allisonrosen.com, there's numerous places to click that'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it. Available in all formats. I have anything specific to plug? Just listen to Alison Rosen is your new best friend, right. but also tell everyone about Childish. Yeah, Podcast. spread the word. Yeah, because we're er- it's early on. We're trying to stay on those charts, and that's uh, right. Uh, you know, your your word means more than any ad we can put out or whatever. Tell your mm. friends if you enjoy it, and also uh, leaving us a comment on Apple Podcasts. It's iTunes, but they want to be. It's they've Apple changed Podcast their name now. to Apple Podcast. Right, leaving us a comment that helps us a lot too. All right, well, I'm Greg Fitzsimmons. I'm Allison Rosen. And we're Childish. Childish.